0: Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 595 for release on Sunday, July nineteenth, two 2020. In WaveScan today, the story of the Japanese sea monster a tribute to a shortwave legend in the United States and our Bangladesh DX report. It was during the year 1947 that a radio station in Tokyo, Japan broadcast a program about a fictitious huge sea monster that arose out of the ocean and slowly made its way towards Tokyo, devastating people and places in its onward progress. So many listeners heard this strange broadcast that panic set in, and many phoned the station and public authorities in an endeavor to gain further information. The radio station that carried this Sea Monster program was WVTR, which later became the key network station for FEN, the Far East Network the American Forces Radio Network in Japan. The studios for WVTR, FEN, AFRS were on the third floor in the same building as the Japanese medium-wave station JOAK at 2-2-KOM, Ukisai-Waicho, Chiyodaku in Tokyo. The main transmitter for JOAK, WVTR at that time, was located out of town, on Otago Hill, and it radiated 50 kilowatts on 590 kilohertz. In addition to the JOAK-WVTR medium-wave transmitter, the Sea Monster programming was also relayed on shortwave via the NHK 5-kilowatt transmitters located at Yamata and Nazaki. However, this program was not on relay to other AFRS stations in Japan that were subsequently incorporated into the WVTR F E N AFRS Network. Ray Robinson explains now what happened.
1: Thanks, Jeff. On Thursday night, May the twenty-ninth, nineteen forty seven, the usual evening program was on the air from WVTR J O A K, an entertaining programme of relaxing American music. Then, soon after 7pm, the music programme was interrupted with a brief news item stating that some fishing boats were missing at sea off the coast of a small fishing village a little south of Yokosuka on the western shore of Tokyo Bay. A short time afterwards, a follow-up news report stated that a village in the same area had just been destroyed. This information was followed shortly afterwards by another report that was phoned in by an eyewitness who stated he'd seen a huge sea monster standing about 20 feet tall that was moving inland and northward up the coast towards Tokyo. And so for the entire hour, brief moments of recorded music were interrupted by short news bulletins indicating that this horrible ogreish sea monster was on a relentless tirade of death and destruction as it moved towards Tokyo. American army units were called to the scene and they unsuccessfully attacked the monster, it was declared, with rifle fire and cannon fire, all of which was ineffective in halting the relentless stampede of this great beast. The continuing series of supposedly on-the-spot news reports continued at a frantic pace, and they included the story of harrowing rescues and escapes by local citizens, reports via remote radio links, the noisy movement of heavy army equipment and tanks, terrifying roaring and screaming from panic-stricken humans and animals, and all else that would add reality to this vivid radio presentation. As this rampaging beast from the ocean continued on its progress towards Tokyo, additional live reports indicated that further attempts by army units to head off this horrendous animal in its relentless pathway of destruction with flamethrowers, tear gas and hand grenades – all proved to be futile. Additional news reports indicated that the sea monster had derailed a railway train and destroyed tall buildings, and that it was proceeding towards Tokyo along the main highway running from Yokohama. Throughout the capital city regional area, listeners began a real panic. They were urged to seek safety, to barricade themselves inside their homes and strong buildings, and as a result, they tried phoning friends and families and authorities. A senior army officer left a formal dinner party, loaded up three trucks of personnel and drove off to escape the approaching carnage. American military police were put on alert and Japanese police were ordered to stand by in readiness to fight the monster. One American soldier phoned in stating that he himself had seen the monster and he described it as a horrifying thick-skinned creature that grinned in an oily and slimy manner. Finally, as this giant mythical monster was nearing Tokyo, one of the announcers at AFRS WVTR, Corporal James Carnahan from Chicago, announced that he'd go out and meet this vicious monster from the sea. And he did so, and the great beast turned, and then it addressed all of the listeners in English, and it congratulated WVTR AFRTS FEN on the occasion of its 5th anniversary. So many listeners attempted to phone wherever they needed to that it tied up the radio station's phone system, and another report states that the overused and overheated telephone exchange in Tokyo simply blew up. Next day, English-language newspapers in Japan and in the United States and elsewhere printed brief reports about the radio programme that presented the story of the mythical Japanese sea monster and its attack on Tokyo. It was subsequently discovered that the American army authorities were not amused with the radio prank about the Japanese sea monster. As an aftermath, it was stated that the commander of the 8th Army, General Eichlerberger, was on vacation in the area of the advancing mythical monster, and that he also was not amused. In addition, General Douglas MacArthur likewise heard the dramatic radio broadcast, and behind the scenes, he attended to the aftermath of this mythical situation. Soon afterwards, four of the top staff at WVTR Tokyo were transferred elsewhere. All four were from California. Dr Wilson W. Cook, Corporal Arthur Bartik and Private Arthur Thompson were each from Los Angeles, and Private Pierre Myers from Hollywood. Three of these men were reappointed to the FEN network stations in South Korea. Interestingly, since the mid-1800s, a legend of a sea monster has begun to grow in the mythical concepts of Japanese society. That older Japanese sea monster was called Amabie, which no doubt is what also led to the development of the first Godzilla film in 1954, and the massive movie, video game, comic book and TV show franchise which followed. Back to you, Jeff.
0: Thank you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles.
1: Sad
2: news to report from our affiliate WDEL Radio.
1: I'm Alan Ludell and now you are Delaware.
2: Alan Ludell was the voice for Delaware. He was an anchor at the station for the past 15 years. He also founded the suburban high school radio network. Our thoughts are with his family and his colleagues.
0: On July 7th, I received a message from our friend Tracy Wood in the Washington DC area with the sad and surprising news of the passing of well-known Delaware DXer, Alan Ludell. I met Alan back in the 1970s when we both worked as journalists at public radio stations in the Midwestern U.S. state of Illinois. It just so happened that we were both shortwave listeners and DXers, and our friendship has continued for all of those decades since then. In the meantime, Alan had an illustrious career as a radio news broadcaster in the northeastern state of Delaware, for more than 30 years. I last met Alan at the Shortwave Listeners Winterfest in February of last year. Our mutual friend Thomas Witherspoon published an item in his SWLing.com blog shortly after the news that Alan had passed away, and I want to read a bit from it now. Thomas writes, Tuesday, July 7th, many of us in the shortwave and DXing community learned about the unexpected passing of our good friend, and veteran radio reporter Alan Ludell. I got to know Alan via the Winter SWL Fest community. Alan attended every year and was well-known for being not only wonderfully good-natured, the sort of guy who was liked by everyone, but also one of the most knowledgeable DXers on the planet. As a mutual friend recently noted, his knowledge of the domestic and international broadcasting scene was very nearly encyclopedic. Thomas continues, It was among my favorite things to do at the fest, to page through albums of QSL cards with Alan that he and other fest attendees like Dan Robinson brought to share. Alan's eyes would light up as he turned each page. Not only did he know each card and each broadcaster, but if you asked, he could take you on a deeper dive into the nuanced history of each station. As our mutual friend Tracy Wood put it, Allen was a giant, radio was his life, and thankfully he shared his passion with us. Allen thankfully exploited his deep knowledge of shortwave news broadcasts to fill his Rolodex with hundreds of worldwide contacts for call-out interviews. Whether it was a Jerusalem Post writer or a radio news person at Deutsche Welle, Allen gave his audience a true global perspective during his days at WILM and WDEL. On July 7th, WDEL broadcast the following news bulletin about Allen's death.
2: Live from Delaware's News Center, you're listening to Delaware's Afternoon News. Here's Chris Carl. Good afternoon. We have sunshine, 86 degrees in Wilmington at 5.03. And some sad news to report this afternoon. Longtime newsman Alan Ludell has died. At the age of 64. Here's Alan Ludell. Here from Delaware's trusted source for news, 1017 FM, 1150 AM, WDEL and WDEL.com. Good afternoon, Delaware. Alan started broadcasting in Wilmington at WILM in 1987, joining us here at WDEL in 2005, hosting morning and afternoon magazine style programming during his time here as anchor and host before his departure earlier this year. In all, allen's award winning career spanned 50 years. He survived by his wife, Barbara, son, Michael, and daughter, Allison. He was a true Delaware treasure. something we kept uh, kept hearing throughout the day as prominent political figures have remembered, Alan. Here's WDEL's Amy Cherry. Every year, Alan Ludell looked forward to going to Senator Tom Carper's Toys for Tots holiday gathering. It was the only day of the year I can ever remember him asking to leave work early. And he would just enjoy it. He's a very special man. And I think that
0: is describes Alan without to a
2: Governor John Carney described Alan as the ultimate interviewer.
3: And he was just a really interesting guy and a real gentleman, I think. And, and I enjoyed being with him. I enjoyed being on his show, even when a question was one of those kind of questions intended to kind of force you to to be uh, maybe where you want to be in terms of, of an answer. He did it in a way with a certain amount of respect.
2: And Carper may have said it best. We could use a lot more like him in the news business these days. Amy Cherry, WDEL, Delaware's News Radio. And we invite you to look at the picture gallery we've put together of Alan during his time here at WDEL. You can also leave comments in the comments section if you wish. It's available right now at WDEL.com.
0: Over the past week, I dug through my recordings of the 2019 Winter SWL Fest and I found the following snippet of the Canadian International DX Club's SWL Trivia Quiz. Alan was one of the contestants, squaring off against the Fest's co-organizer Richard Cuff. Here's CIDX's Sheldon Harvey quizzing Alan and Richard. All
3: right, so next we move on to this should be an interesting matchup. From our favorite old news radio station in Delaware, Alan Liddell. And one of our two festmeisters, Richard Koff. Okay, question number one for Alan. Beginning in 1960, this service began transmitting its own programs via shortwave. It initially leased shortwave transmitters from France, Switzerland, Italy, and the United States. In 1963, transmissions were relayed through other international broadcasters in other parts of the world. What broadcasting organization was this? I'm not sure about it. I'm gonna say Radio Money Incorrect. Richard, attempt to steal? ICRC. Incorrect. Okay, question number two for Alan. Since 2003, this international broadcaster has been known as Radio Taiwan International. From nineteen forty-nine until nineteen ninety-eight, the station went by this name. Voice of yeah. Sorry? Voice of Free China. Jumps all over it and he is correct. Voice of Free China. I was about to finish the question before I was so rudely interrupted <laughs> <laughs> that it broadcast its programming related through WYFR you know, Okay, so we have the third question for Alan. This is one of the transmitter site questions. What shortwave station do you associate with the town of Vandiver, Alabama? WEWM, yeah. Correct. Two points. Okay, we swing over to Richard. This is about a time signal station. What is the call sign of the time signal station of Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, VTS. Incorrect. YVTO. YVTO. He has three points. Congratulations. Alan
0: moves forward to the next round. (laughs) Alan Ludell, winning a round of the Canadian International DX Club's shortwave trivia quiz at last year's SWL Winterfest, in Pennsylvania. Alan Ludell passed away on July 7th. In our program here in WaveScan two weeks back, we presented an unusual story on the usage of a kerosene flame to generate a small electric current sufficient to power a radio receiver. We mentioned also that a cooling effect can be produced when a direct current is passed over a junction of two dissimilar metals. This cooling effect is known as the Peltier effect, We mentioned that it is a useful result, though the cooling produced in this way is insufficient for use in a household-sized refrigerator. WaveScan listener Bill Fargo tells us that 30 years ago, he bought a small portable refrigerator for use in his long-haul truck that was indeed cooled with the use of Peltier technology. He also mentioned that Peltier technology is sometimes used for cooling some of the components in microprocessors and in similar electronic equipment. Thank you, Bill, for your interesting update regarding the cooling effect that is produced by Peltier Technology. Now, let's go to Bangladesh. Here's Salahuddin Dalar with his DX report for this month.
4: Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, welcome you in another edition of Bangladesh DX report in Oviscan. This is Salahuddin Dalar from the beautiful city, Rajshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio stations which I monitored. July 3rd, China Business Radio was heard at 0110 UTC on 11670 kHz, the SIO code was 444. Voice of America in Tibetan was heard at 0440 UTC on 17150 kHz, the SIO code was 444. Radio Taiwan International in Vietnamese was heard at 1415 UTC on 9625 kHz. The SIO code was 333. July 4th. Trans World Radio India, in English, was heard at 1430 UTC on 11590 kHz. The SIO code was 333. Our friend Mr. Pradip Chandrakundu from Tripura, India, has monitored few stations. Here is the details. July 4th. Myanmar Radio in Burmese was heard at 1012 UTC on 5915 kHz. The ISIO code was 454. FEBC Radio International in Vietnamese was heard at 1100 UTC on 9795 kHz. The ISIO code was 343. KCBS Pyongyang Korean program was heard at 1705 UTC on 11680 kHz. The ISO code was 444. SLBC Sinhala language program was heard at 1740 UTC on 11750 kHz. The ISO code was 433. July fifth, Voice of America In Cambodian language was heard at 1400 UTC on 9615 kHz. The ISIO code was 343. Bangladesh Betar Home Service was heard at 1432 UTC on 4750 kHz. The ISIO code was 454. Bhoyos of Turkey. Dari language program was heard at 1525 UTC on 11765 kHz, the ISO code was 343. Radio Romania International Arabic language program was heard at 1530 UTC on 11900 kHz, the ISO code was 333. Voice of Vietnam Spanish language program was heard at 09 UTC on 9730 kHz the SIO code was 444 Boyos of Korea French program was heard at 1800 UTC on 119710 kHz the SIO code was 444 July 7th Boyos of Mongolia in English language program was heard at 1545 UTC on 12.015 kHz, the SI code was 242. July 8, KBS World Radio in Spanish was heard at 1815 UTC on 9740 kHz, the SI code was 343. Trans World Radio Africa in Kunama language was heard at 1820 UTC on 9940 kHz. The SIO code was 444. Transworld Radio India in Punjabi language was heard at 1455 UTC on 12160 kHz. The SIO code was 343. Bangladesh DX team will issue. A QS, EQSL card for the correct reception report of this segment. Please send your reception report to the following email address dxbangla at the rate gmail.com. DXBANGLA at the rate gmail.com. Okay, I will come with more DX news in the next edition. Till then, take care. Salahuddin Dollar, Ratshahi Bangladesh.
0: Thank you, Salahuddin. Finally, let me mention a reception report that we received recently from Cyril McDonald. He is in Nakowick, Canada. He says, greetings from Nakowick, Canada. Uh, that's in the province of New Brunswick, by the way. He says, I'm very happy to report that I managed to receive your DX radio program AWR wave scan via WRMI on my shortwave radio. I would like to send you this reception report of the signal I heard. And he heard us uh, at 2200 UTC on 9955 kilohertz from Okeechobee using his Grundig satellite 2400SL with a one meter indoor whip antenna from his location at Nakuik, New Brunswick, Canada. The SINPO rating was 22121, a poor signal with lots of atmospheric noise and propagation. And Cyril says, I usually listen to WaveScan via WRMI on 15770 kHz because the signal is stronger. But I thought I'd send in this reception report of the signal on 9955 kHz instead. Well, let me explain to you, Cyril, that the reason the signal was poor is because 9955 kHz is actually beamed south from Florida to the Caribbean and South America whereas 15,770 kHz is beamed up your way and then across the Atlantic into Europe. So it pretty much goes right over uh, New Brunswick. So uh, I suggest you stick with 15,770, okay? Although we do get a lot of reports of people in the United States and Canada uh, hearing us on 9955 kHz as well. WaveScan today with music from Cambodia. Thanks for listening to Wave Scan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis. Next week on Wave Scan, who owns these islands? Two isolated and empty small islands in the South Pacific. We'll make a quick trip to Cambodia and our Australian DX report from Bob Hagela. Several QSL cards are available for this program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for Wavescan to the AWR address in Bangkok and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry Wavescan. Remember, you can send a reception report to the DX Reporters When their segment is on the air here in the program, they will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P R A K A N O N G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. That's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan.com at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.